2: A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews, With wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s and also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003 there's no larger longer spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a pw torch vip membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting go vip and dive into our post pay-per-view roundtables our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling top name long form interviews and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip we have a streamlined sign up form and you can pay with paypal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes from right now you can be a vip member and diving into our library pwtorch.com slash govip with lucky landslots
3: you can get lucky just about anywhere
0: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps)
5: Good afternoon, I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks. It is a Saturday afternoon, a little bit of an unusual start time for Pro Wrestling Torch's Wrestling Night in America here on PWTorchDailyCast.com. But we are coming to you following the WWE Clash at the Castle special event on Peacock and elsewhere worldwide. It is September 3rd, 2022. And uh, we're going to talk about this show, and and there is a lot to talk about coming out of Clash at the Castle. We'd love to have you along to talk as well. So you can, uh, if you're listening live, you can call 515-605-9345, press 1 to uh, connect with us. And if you'd like to email us, maybe you're a little shy about talking on the phone, maybe you uh, can't stay uh, throughout the duration of the show and hang online, you can always uh, email us at wnialivecast at gmail.com. Uh, so what I'd like to do first, as we always do here on Wrestling Night in America, is run through the show. Uh, just go through the the Big hits of the show, the match results, and then we'll turn it over to you guys on the phones. And uh, before I do that for Clash at the Castle, just a reminder that this is a two-for-weekend here on Wrestling Night in America. We'll be by again tomorrow night after the AEW uh, All-Out pay-per-view, and we'll be talking about that show. So we're here talking about Clash at the Castle on Saturday night. We'll talk about All-Out tomorrow night, and perhaps even the NXT Worlds Collide event, if I can fit that into my day tomorrow. Uh, But uh, of course, uh, today is uh, Clash. At the Castle. So the pre show match was the Street Profits and Madcap Moss defeating Austin Theory and Alpha Academy. Yes, he is now Austin Theory once again. The opener on Clash of the Castle was Dakota Kai, EO Sky, and Bailey defeating Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Bianca Belair. I should point out that uh, I really thought WWE dropped the ball by not going with a, a castle like setup for the entrance. And I get uh, the reasons why they wouldn't want to do that. Obviously, the expense of of doing that, uh, especially over in the UK, uh, you have you're you're able to put more fans into the stadium and get more money by uh, minimizing the set. And you have fans that are closer to the entrance, which um, looks cooler probably in, in certain respects, but I do miss the big sets. I, I do miss them for the, at least the big shows, and I think WWE, uh, the way this was pushed and, and doing a stadium show overseas, pushing it for the first time in 30 years, this was a big show to them. So the heels get the victory here with Kai, Sky, and Bailey over Bliss, Asuka, and Belair. Uh, the heels collectively known as Damage Control. This was a long match. I thought it was a tad longer than it needed to be. Uh, But it really uh, put over the heels, you know, Bailey, and I've said this before, Bailey is established. Everybody knows who she is. They know her bona fides. They know her accomplishments, but you've got two people in that group that the main roster fan base may not be all that familiar with. So you do have to work at making sure they're not seen as another Alex Riley to Bailey's The Miz, right? Just the lackey who's there to get beat up and take pins to protect the main star of the group. So I thought they've done a nice job uh, as of late of making Kai and Sky on the same level as Bailey. I think that's an important thing to do. And, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss, I thought, held up pretty well. You know, she, as a worker, kind of the weak link in this group of six, but I thought she did okay. And Bayley got the pin on Belair, so obviously that's going to set up as, you know, you could kind of see coming into this match that the whole point of this match was to really start the build to Bayley versus Bianca Belair singles match. And by having Bailey get the victory here, it gives a further reason for them to go in that direction and to do just that. Uh, match number two was the match. I know a lot of fans were looking forward to, and this was Gunther defeating Sheamus to retain the intercontinental championship. Uh, Giovanni Vinci from NXT, the f- the former associate Fabian Eichner of Gunther and uh, Marcel Barthel uh, in NXT was back with this group. So Imperium has been reformed at least on this night. And uh, Bartel and Vinci uh, brawled with uh, Ridge Holland and Butch that, that sent them to the back. So this was uh, as hard hitting as you would expect, as good as you would expect. And... I think I don't think anyone who was looking forward to this match was disappointed by it. Um, Gunther uh, getting the victory but uh, no shame. Sheamus getting a standing ovation after the match from the live crowd. Um, so, you know, that was cool before this, by the way, they did a nod to SummerSlam 1992, acknowledging the British Bulldogs family, and Bret Hart was live in attendance, uh, which, of course, that was the main event of that SummerSlam 92 show, the British Bulldog and Bret Hart for the IC title, and they did it right before the uh, IC title match here. Uh, So, you know, by the way, for those keeping track, Sheamus, who the crowd was wildly behind because of his connections to the UK, lost here. So, um, worth mentioning based on what's going to happen in the main event. Uh, Match number three was Liv Morgan defeating Shayna Baszler to retain the SmackDown Women's title. I thought WWE had put themselves in a tough spot here with this match because, you know, it felt like they were setting up Ronda Rousey for a rematch with Liv Morgan at some point. So Liv Morgan was probably going to retain, but Shayna Baszler, who really had not gotten any kind of sustained singles push on the main roster, all of a sudden was getting one here. Not a surprise, given uh, how she was booked uh, in NXT under Triple H, but I thought you could make the argument that she really needed to win here to cement that singles run. In the end, Liv Morgan won. It was a clean victory, Uh, so I I thought she did need a strong victory if she was going to remain champ, especially with the way she won at SummerSlam over Ronda Rousey and the rejection of the live crowds of that victory. So um, I I thought she really needed a strong win here. She got it, and it was – I didn't have high expectations for this match. They were they were they were met and, and probably exceeded. So I thought this was this was better than I expected. Uh, then you had match number four, which was Edge and Rey Mysterio defeating Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Dominic was at ringside, helped Edge and Rey win, and then turned after the match. So kicking Edge in the groin, um, beating up Rey. Um, so Dominic finally turns and. The turn was, I think, effectively memorable in the way it was done, and if Dominic turns to join Judgment Day, I didn't like the execution because basically he allowed Ray and Edge to win and then turned on them. Uh, We don't know for sure that he's joining Judgment Day. All we saw of Judgment Day was them laughing in reaction to um, the turn, I've seen several people online suggest that Dominic join Legado del Fantasma, who are presumably headed to the main roster after losing a a loser leaves town match, uh, at least Santos Escobar to Tony D'Angelo on NXT. I think that would be the right move, and just present another wrench into the Ray Edge partnership. And um, you know, he could tease joining Judgment Day and then end up with Legado. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, and I think if that were the case then it would make a little more sense, but, but he still helped Edge and Ray win, which, you know, unless he comes up with an argument that the turn wasn't planned until after the match, I think maybe if he can make that argument successfully, then it, it would make more sense. Um, but if this is something that had been brewing for a long time, it didn't really make sense to help them win. I did think there were shades of Owen Hart here. You know, Dominic was sort of at the side watching Ray and Edge celebrate this victory. And uh, you know, I thought I think back to Owen Hart's turn at Survivor Series where he was the only one of his team eliminated and, you know, was mad that he wasn't invited into the ring to celebrate when the rest of the team won. And I thought they could have done something where Dominic tried to interfere, got kicked out from ringside, and then had to be in the back while he watched Ray and Edge celebrate the win. I thought they could have done something with that. I thought that would have been pretty cool. Um Match number five was Rollins versus Riddle. Uh, Rollins picking up the victory over Riddle here. I thought they did a nice job in the last week of build-up to really put some serious heat on this match with the Rollins and Riddle face-to-face on Raw. Um, And so, you know, this match was a really good match. I thought it could have gone either way. Uh, Rollins did feel like he needed a big win after so many major losses. I think it's fair to question where Riddle goes from here. I'm not really sure what's next for him, uh, unless... You know they're ready to bring Randy Orton back, and you can you know go right in back into the Orton Riddle um, team, or maybe he stays off TV until Randy Orton comes back. Uh, I don't know. Um, that'll that'll be a tough one for them to figure out, but a really good match. And then match number six: Roman Reigns defeating Drew McIntyre to retain the WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship, or whatever. Um, and this is where I think opinions are going to diverge, and and that is. Should Drew have won in front of his home audience, the crowd was vociferously behind McIntyre. Um, I think people who are tired of the Rain storyline or at least want something new would have liked to have seen the switch. I think fans who are tired of seeing baby faces lose in their hometown would be upset at this because not only did you have Sheamus lose earlier, but you had Drew McIntyre lose here. Uh, so that was, I think, discouraging to, to some fans. Now there were extenuating circumstances and they did try to get Drew's Heat back after the match by, you know, having him you know, Tyson Fury was was at ringside and actually punched out Austin Theory, who who tried to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. And they did protect protect Drew with the finish with Solo Sokoa debuting as the third Uso, I guess, um, because the Usos, Sami Zayn, Paul Heyman were all absent from this show, and uh, Solo Sokoa pulling the ref out of the ring on a potential three count. So they protected Drew, uh, blah, 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 but you know what? I I don't think that matters. He lost in his hometown when he had all the momentum, and that's what fans are going to remember more than anything else. And again, your mileage may vary on how much that matters to you. Uh, You could look at the Solo Sokoa edition as saying, you know, the, that changes the dynamic of the Reigns storyline, of the Uso storyline, of the Sami Zayn storyline. So it's not just same old Roman Reigns storyline. There, there's more to it now with that edition. So it could go in a different direction uh, for those who, who would argue that, that Reigns and the, the whole situation with him as champion is stale. Um, you know, Drew and, and again, Tyson um, singing after the match. Drew... Um, Thanking the fans for their support. I think there will be some people who were not real happy that that Drew was not as broken up about the loss as maybe he should have been. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know where I fall on that uh, because the whole post match kind of felt like something we weren't supposed to see. It was almost felt like it was for the live audience only. Um, but the match was, I mean, it was your traditional Roman Reigns. Main event match where you kick out of the big moves. They had the crowd in the palm of their hand. They did a lot of crowd interaction stuff where they knew that the crowd would be behind them. So it was smartly booked from that point of view. Um, Just, I think it's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouth for people who probably liked the wrestling and liked the show up and down the card, but not having the babyfaces reach that finish line is... Something that WWE under Vince McMahon, I think, it, I think that it's underestimated in how many fans it turned off WWE throughout the years. Um, the 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 riding with a top babyface and never really getting a, a proper payoff, and so I think that's kind of a discouraging holdover for a lot of people from the Vince McMahon era of creative here now with Triple H. Um, And and then there's people that are going to say, hey, you know, Roman Reigns uh, needs to be champion. I guess the next... Uh, you know, the next realistic opportunity for him to lose the title, uh, in my mind, is Cody Rhodes, whenever that is. I mean, that may not be till early 2023. Uh, and then you look at potentially The Rock if they can get him at uh, WrestleMania. Don't know if the titles are on the line. Don't know if Reigns needs to be champion for that match. Um, but those are two names, really the only two names, unless WWE does a fantastic job of building someone involved uh, in the main event scene. And they're doing it with Karrion Cross. He was ringside threw a drink at Drew McIntyre. Turned out to be more of a red herring than than anything else I think a lot of people expecting him to play a part in the finish given how involved he's been in the main event scene on Smackdown over the last few weeks but he really didn't play a part other than that so
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
3: lucky in line at the deli I guess haha in my dentist's office Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the shows end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the red logo and the blue logo.
3: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
5: Um, yeah, I mean uh, overall a thumbs-up show really strong from an in-ring standpoint, and for the most part I, I Liked a lot of the storytelling th- you know things, but there were some question marks I think that are that are worth asking and, and that should not be just glossed over when talking about this show and Speaking of talking about the show um, Thanks to those of you who've hopped on since we started. I am pro wrestling torch columnist Greg Parks And this is wrestling night in America Uh, for the Clash at the Castle Post Show. We'd like to hear from you. 515-605-9345 is the number to call. Press 1 if you would like to hop on and chat with us. Otherwise, stay on the line and listen. And um, you can also... Email us, WNIAlivecast at gmail.com. We're usually here 8 p.m. Eastern every Sunday night talking about the big shows in pro wrestling on PWTorchDailyCast.com. Tomorrow night, we'll be by with an AEW All Out post show. So tune in after All Out to hear um, my thoughts on that and as well as uh, the callers and emailers on that one so without any further ado let's go to the phones start with the 615 area code as usual kicking us off on these post shows is sean from murfreesboro tennessee sean um good afternoon to you it was, very rarely do we get to talk in the afternoons but here we are
6: i know it is it is weird that's the first thing i'm thinking it's like man i'm supposed to be like 11 o'clock at night not all, you know four o'clock five o'clock in the afternoon but greg it's Always good to talk to you, man. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in, Sean.
5: and Thanks for leading us off today.
6: Yeah. So I first wanted to say, I mean, those again those those guys those guys and, and women worked their work their butts off, man. It, for the, from the wrestling perspective, the matches were awesome. I thought all of them were just fantastic. I mean, you were right about the women's you know six woman probably a little too long. I think they dragged it out a little too much, but I still thought everybody just works so hard i mean just i mean i thought it was just great from that perspective but i'll lead into all the stuff you just kind of brought up and and i did want to bring it up and and kind of say my thoughts on you know drew roman the match itself was fantastic i mean you know all that stuff all the issue like roman is again i've always said it Roman is a heel. It's fantastic. He's amazing. I, I love the role he's been in. I, I love that they've kept him champion for as long as they have. But now with him starting to be part-time, you know, I, I don't like, I, I just don't know where Drew goes from here. I, I just don't. I, I mean, you know, they tried, you know, to quote unquote protect him, but I, but like you said, I, I just don't know, you know, some people keep saying, well, Turn your heel but he's not as good of a heel he's a better baby face the fans i love him the fans love him the fans are behind him i just don't know where he goes he's so, he's so good in the ring he's so good on the mic the sword yeah today was fine he just kind of brought it out but it, it was okay you know just bring it out put it in the ring whatever i you know where do you think he goes is there any way they can build him back up in the next year or so to be in that hunt? Because I still think overall they've really hurt him by what they've done with him.
5: Yeah. That was the other big question, I guess coming out of the main event is now that you've beaten drew in this level of a match in his home country, you know, it's not like you can just run this back and say, you know, Chicago, Illinois, like it's just not going to have the same gravitas to it that this match had. They were building up Drew for this match, not for a series of matches, not for a bunch of rematches after this. So even though he's got a case to be made um, with Solo Sokoa pulling the the referee out, it just doesn't feel like he's going to get that rematch that you could argue he may deserve. Um, But I think concern about Drew after this, because he and WWE seem to put so much... You know, they, they really doubled down on this. They, 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 this was it for him. It felt like. And so, when you come up short, where do you go? You know, Killer Cross is there. Carrion Cross. I think that's probably where they go from here obviously that's a step down though Cross has been portrayed as a main eventer since returning to the main roster so it may not feel to a lot of people like a major step down but you know ultimately say what you want about Drew McIntyre he was just an uh, I mean he's going to go down as just another stepping stone for Roman Reigns in his championship run and that's probably not deserved i think he deserves more acknowledgement than that but uh, you know based on this result that's that's how it's going to be
6: Yeah, I agree. And, and and that's what hurt even more, too. You know, going back in this last year, like they've just hurt Drew at some of the booking. It's just been so bad. Mm-hmm. The sword, the stupid Happy Corbin matches, the stupid, so many things. And when he won the title in the Performance Center, I, again, I, I go back. I said it with Wade last night. I've said it many times. I don't mean to harp on it. I know it was such a bad circumstance when Drew won the title, he was so over then. And I know it's what it is. It was a pandemic. It happened. I get all that. But he just, gosh, man, he deserves so much more. He's so good. The story he told coming back, and I just think it hurt him. I know they say Roman's a bigger star, and I, and I don't doubt that. He is, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm curious to see where they go and hopefully yeah. they'll tell some good stories. But And this was kind of leading me to you know, the match before, which, again, I thought the build to Seth and Matt was fantastic. I thought the match was fantastic. But again, you have to build stars, and they're just not doing that. They're hurting Riddle, I think, by losing this match. And uh, the argument will be, and I and I understand, Seth lost a bunch. But Seth can recover. He's a star. He's been for a long time. Riddle, I think, so needs you, this let, to let, get to the next level.
5: Let me ask you this. We've seen Riddle get a lot of TV time with the Randy Orton stuff. He's been involved as a major player during the duration of that storyline. I mean, you know, that was that was a big storyline on Raw. He had a major challenge to Roman Reigns on SmackDown and put up a heck of a fight. You don't think that Riddle is now in a position where he can lose a match, a semi-main event match to Seth Rollins, and and not do a lot of damage? I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him... All that much. I do wonder where he goes, and I brought this up when I went down, you know, down the matches. You know, does he, you know, stay off TV for a while, maybe wait mm-hmm. for Orton to come back or whatever the case may be. But ultimately, do I think he's right. going to be hurt a ton by this? I, I just don't see it with this one.
6: No, and, and but that's what I was gonna still go back to say, like, you know, again, I'm, I'm always willing to let it play out. I, I, it's not like, oh, they can't do it because Riddle's still young enough where I think. I just wish he wouldn't have had the match with Roman to begin with. I, I really wish they wouldn't have gone that route because I think they could have built a story up to where maybe he could have been a guy to defeat Roman and maybe that would have been a thing. Because I think, you know, again, he's still over enough to where I think he can get over it. And, and so again, I, I think with with Riddle, I'm more like I'm willing, like Drew, like I think he's been hurt in, in a way. But with Riddle, I still think he's young enough and hasn't had enough matches where I think he could still be okay from this, and I'm willing to see where it goes, you know, does he eventually when Orton comes back, does he turn heel on Randy? Because again, I think you can't turn or or if they have the tag team and they go their separate ways like that can be okay. But if they are going to turn someone, if when Orton comes back, it can't be Randy. It just just can't be. It's got to be Riddle because Mm -hmm. that would be more intriguing to see where they go. But again, the match itself tonight today was fantastic. I mean, they're just both so good in the ring. And so that was good. But then the last question I was going to bring up before I, you know, get off was, you know, with Liv and Shayna, with what you were saying, I, I do think this was the right way to go only because I think Shayna had been so damaged. And I think with, again, Triple H's booking, you could say, well, he's got something going with her. and And, and yeah, that's true. But I think if you are going to go with Liv, I think she had to get a clean win here. I still don't like Liv as, as the champion in, necessarily. But do you think that? I still think Charlotte's you know coming back here at some point. Is Charlotte in in the weeds here? Because I know Ronda's going to get her title match back. Like, where do you think they're going with this whole Liv storyline? Because I again, I'm intrigued. And, and what do you think of that? That what, what do you think of the story they're telling with Liv? Well,
5: I mean, they, they sort of had to really get it back on track after SummerSlam. I don't think they saw that crowd reaction coming in the ensuing weeks with the way she won at SummerSlam. So I think they really needed to um, sort of course correct a little bit with how they presented her, and maybe as a stronger character. Um, and, and I think they've succeeded in that. I thought she was pretty over as a babyface here um uh, at this show, um, although it's a UK crowd, so it's a little different atmosphere there, certainly. But yeah, mm-hmm. Charlotte is kind of the specter hanging over the SmackDown Women's division and the, the SmackDown Women's title hunt. So you've got that rematch with Ronda, no doubt, coming up, especially after what happened on SmackDown, where Ronda basically had her suspension reversed. Um, so I would expect that, you know, that could even happen on TV. And then maybe, you know, at the next. Ple, you have Charlotte come back and she faces Rhonda. Um, so, you know, uh, the other thing is you could have Charlotte come back and and she faces Liv. You know, I think that's a different dynamic. Although, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how well that would work. Um, but, uh, yeah, Charlotte maybe maybe a triple threat. You know, I, I don't know. But those three, I think, are the ones that you're going to be looking at over the next few months that are going to be chasing or be involved in, I should say, the SmackDown Women's Championship. What iteration of all three, I don't know, but you do have to anticipate you know, Liv and Ronda having a rematch, and maybe Charlotte gets involved at the end of it, uh, either costing Ronda, costing Liv, whatever the case may be. Um, so that's kind of my sense of it, that it's going to be those three in some form or fashion uh, by next month's uh, show.
6: Yeah, and that's what I was thinking, too, because I still think, you know, they're going Ronda Becky at WrestleMania next year, which I, I'm so pumped about. Because I, uh, I think that'd be, you know, obviously great, and it'd finally do the one-on-one they'd been looking for. And that could be a way to get Charlotte with Liv, but, you know, mm-hmm. move on from that. But real quick, I just wanted to say, you know, Seamus Gunther was saying it was a great match, then right finish, but I thought it was a great match. And so, overall, it was like a, to me, it was a B-plus show. Because of the Drew thing, I think it did hurt him. But overall, I still thought it was a great show, and I'm curious to see what other callers had. And Greg, man, I, I don't know if I'll be able to talk to you tomorrow after AEW All Out. But I don't know if I'm going to get it yet. I'm still debating. Money-wise, it's an issue for me. I want to see the show. I think it's going to be a great show, but I'm, I'm still debating. But I'll either way, Greg. I'll talk to you soon, man. I appreciate you taking my call, man. All right,
5: well. absolutely, Sean. Good hearing from you as always. Uh, so we we actually are lucky because we have a live correspondent who was there. Uh, in Cardiff for this show, who's willing to call in. So let's go to him now. I see him on uh, the switchboard, and this is Nick. Uh, Nick, are you with us here?
4: Yeah, hi, Greg. Can you hear me?
5: I can hear you perfectly. Good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, volunteering to, to call us up and give a live perspective of the show.
4: Uh, no, no problem at all. This is Nick, the IP member from Milton Keynes in England. Uh, I was just heard a bit of what Sean had to say there, and I totally agree with him. Oh, the atmosphere was great and the event was amazing, but just absolutely gutted at yeah. the way that the main event ended. So I
5: guess um, you were not—it uh, it, it didn't win you over. The post-match sing-along with with uh, Tyson Fury—that didn't—that didn't send the crowd home <laughs> happier.
4: <laughs> no, it didn't. I, I appreciate their—you know—they're—they're their trying to trying to make light of it uh, and put a good spin on it at the yeah. end, but. No, that crowd was down after that finish, and yeah. uh, it was so close. We all thought that, you know, he was going to do it at that that final Claymore kick, and, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it was a, a bit of a downer now. The crowd's pretty down. But, yeah. you know, like Sean said, I'm interested to see where they go with him. Hopefully it'll be, uh, you know, some sort of redemption, maybe at the Rumble or WrestleMania, who knows. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a bit of a downer for sure.
2: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PwTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown. And my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark. Make it a daily stop. Visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's PwTorch.com.
5: Tell me about the ride you guys were taking on in that match. Because it wasn't you know, it was it was sad that Drew McIntyre lost and and I you know, I made the argument that Drew should have won here. But there was a lot of. It was like a roller coaster. Like, even watching at home, like, I was into it. I was into Austin Theory coming out and, and the shock of that, and then Tyson Fury decking him, and then, you know, Solo Sokoa getting involved. Who is this, you know, at at first? And then, you know, the near falls and everything like that. So tell me what it was like to be there live during just the dramatic ups and downs of this match.
4: Oh, uh, it, it was. Sorry, I'm near the train station. It was brilliant. Um. The the near falls were just so close. And at the beginning, you know, with Drew having the crowd on his side and having a lot of offense. um, Roman's face, obviously, we couldn't hear what he was saying. I presume you could on TV. But um, his face, his facials, his reactions were amazing. Mm -hmm. Really helped get the crowd into it. Um, The chance going on supporting Drew was fabulous. Um, and and then as the match went on and on, it just seemed like everybody's hopes got lifted and lifted. And we thought, yes, it's actually going to happen. And then when the running came, right? Oh, when Charles Robinson got knocked over, we thought, oh, Karrion Cross is going to jump the guardrail and get involved. Um, but when he didn't, we, we even thought then, oh, it's definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to happen. And then at the end, no, nobody knew who the guy was. We thought it was Jey Uso. Is it? Yeah, um, and I don't know who he was. Maybe you guys saw better than we did, but it wasn't an announced and Nobody around me knew who he was, so um, I presume he looked like Roman. I presume it's another. Yeah, it was one it was
5: it was Solo Sokoa from NXT who is the brother
4: of the Usos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh okay, that makes sense. They <laughs> they didn't really show him too much on the okay. screen with his with his hoodie on, so you couldn't really tell. Um, but yeah, it, it was just such a ride and. we all we it it was just so close at the end and yeah we, we, we all thought he was gonna do it
5: does that does the does the drama and just all that went into that main event does that make up at all for the disappointment of drew losing is there any way you can say man i'm really bummed drew lost but that was a fun ride or is it just complete utter disappointment that drew lost
4: No, not at all. The whole event from top to bottom, the dark match all the way through was such a great experience. We haven't had a stadium show over here for, you know, 30 years. And and just to have 60 or thousand people chanting Drew's name and getting involved and and cheering for Bailey and, uh, (laughs) you know, the whole thing was just such a great experience. Yeah, it was really disappointing, but it was a great, great night. And I think everybody, the atmosphere, was everybody really enjoyed it.
5: The crowd was electric. It seemed like all night. Uh, Did you get a sense that there was any match that was sort of, the crowd wasn't super into? Because like I said, they they came across pretty well all night, but being there live, is there anything that you could say, well, the crowd wasn't as interested in this match as they were everything else on the show?
4: Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with Sean. They've got to get that title off Liv Morgan. Oh, okay. that, that match was ice cold. I, d- I don't know what it played like on TV, but there was no reaction mm. in the stadium when she came out. Mm. Um, it was people were getting up, going to the toilet, getting a beer. Um, no interest at all. Uh, but for most people, uh, everybody wanted sort of to see the match. And, and it was a good match, but um, I think it was a bit disappointing when. Liv went over clean because, you know, it just she's got no reaction at all. Yeah. And, and it's just not working with her. Mm-hmm. I, I think the problem is her, her previous couple of wins have been quite, you know, dubious in a way with the way it's finished. And just people aren't buying into it here. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's like over in the States for live live crowd reaction. But here it's just, uh, it, it was ice cold that match, absolutely.
5: Yeah, they haven't been very... Kind to her either over here, you know. After the the win at Summerslam, the uh, the crowds were chanting "You tapped out" and everything like that. So they didn't seem to buy it either. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you about the 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 stadium itself. What was the setup like? I mean, did did it seem like a a really cool uh, setup that they had inside the the stadium? Um, and and the crowd, I assume, was pretty well sold out. I don't know if there was any empty seats that you could see from your vantage point.
4: Uh, definitely, yeah. So this is the Welsh rugby and football stadium, or soccer stadium. Um, and, and the main stadium, rugby's really big in Wales, bigger than soccer. Mm. And uh, it, it's, it's their main stadium. Uh, I think they said there were sixty-three, sixty-two or 63,000 people there tonight. Uh, it was a really good setup. I was in the upper bowl, but right on the front row, so the, the view was great. I was on the opposite from the hard camera. Uh, and there was a massive, um, screen with a graphic, flash in the cards graphics above the ring. And the, the walkway, the entranceway was really long. Um, which meant that they couldn't have the Titan like mm-hmm. they used to uh, usually do. But, um, no, it was, it was, it was packed. There wasn't a seat in the house apart from behind the hard camera. Um, there was a, some, big Welsh flag there parked t- off t- on the stadium. But, uh, no, it was really well presented. Um, the atmosphere was great. They had a dark match before the event, uh, about half an hour before to get the crowd going. Um, and, uh, every, and, and as soon as that finished, there was Michael Cole coming in and, and, and getting the crowd going, Corey Graves. Uh, yeah. So it was a really good atmosphere. They built it up really well.
5: Did anything happen? I know you ha- haven't had a chance to see the pay-per-view, um, but did anything happen like off camera or anything that, that, viewers of the pay-per-view may have missed that you think uh, is worth pointing out?
4: Well, it, Bailey got a great reaction in the first match. The crowd was so behind her. They were, they were cheering her name, giving her a chance. I don't know if that came across on TV because, you know, I've heard that, you know, in the States, they might alter crowd reactions but, mm. uh, or if it came through on her facials and her reaction in the match. But, yeah, the crowd was so behind Bailey; She got a great reaction. Um and uh, uh, I think that was the main thing from from us that surprised me. I, I didn't think she'd get such a positive reaction, but yeah she was she was really well received. and that Sheamus, um Gunther match are oh, amazing. The crowd was so behind Seamus. I, I know he's not from the u k but you know Ireland is sort of you know we've got a long history going back, and there's a lot of Irish and Obviously, Scottish people here for Drew, and uh, that was amazing. And he got a great reaction, and and all the way through was was really supported really well. Uh,
5: There was a um, tweet from former Pro Wrestling Torch um, podcast contributor uh, Jim Valley, who noted that he received a text from somebody in the crowd that said there were some sightline issues because something related to the – the ring set up being off the ground, and so people uh, couldn't really see very well certain parts of it. I'll have to see if I can bring that tweet up, because um, I'm probably butchering um, what he was getting at. Uh, but did you sense that that any um, anywhere in the crowd that there was anything – difficult to to see from anywhere did you hear about it um from anyone this is this is the message he got um from his tweet he says very unhappy fans around complaining the ground the base is set on is raised six feet meaning a ton of seats can't see the ring or stage Uh, did you see anyone or, or any seats that may have had that issue or hear about that from anyone
4: I, I didn't hear anybody, but like I said, I, I had quite a good seat. My seats are uh, £250, which is about three, $310-ish um, currently. Um, and so I, I had a really good sightlight. I can imagine if you were at the top of the bowl um, that it would have been really hard to see because that big Clash at the Castle graphic um, uh, sort of screen that was above the ring Probably would have would have would have made it really difficult to see. So yeah, I think I think the seats at the top may well have had a, a problem, but uh, uh, no, I, I didn't hear anybody complaining, and, and you couldn't couldn't feel it in the crowd.
5: Were there any wrestlers who got any reactions that were different from the way they were booked? I mean, everything seems sort of consistent. Sheamus got a good reaction. He's been portrayed as more of a babyface lately in his build up uh, with this match in particular with Gunther. But were there any heels that got cheered? Any any um. Baby faces that got really booed. did you get a sense that the crowd was uh, on a different page than WWE booking with any of these wrestlers?
4: Jeff Bailey, really, she mm-hmm. got a massive reaction. <laughs> um, there, there was chance saying, "Bailey, we love you. Uh, you know, so good to have you back." So yeah, yeah. She, she was definitely the one. Um, Edge got an absolutely massive reaction, only second to only Drew McIntyre. He was absolutely uh, adored by the crowd. Um, (laughs) excuse me (laughs) and the uh, the dark match uh, at the beginning the Street Profits um, uh, were teaming up with Mad Cat Moss Mm -hmm. Uh, Street Profits got a great reaction against Austin Theory and um, Alpha Academy Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, and uh, Austin Theory got a lot of heat so I think I think there's still stuff to do with Austin Theory the crowd really reacted to him especially when he came out everybody thought he was going to cash in Mm -hmm. Uh, against Roman and maybe take one of the belts and and then Drew take the other Um, but uh, no, there's there's more to do with theory I think Uh, I know he hasn't been on TV much lately but uh, the crowd really reacted to him in the dark match and obviously when he came out at the main event so uh, yeah Bailey was a big one for us
5: What was the reaction to the Dominic Mysterio turn? That's one that's been a long time coming and some would probably say they probably should have done it a long time ago but uh, what what was the, the reaction to that from the live crowd?
4: Yeah, it was a weird one because the way they were standing in the ring, you could kind of see it coming, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like they missed the beat on it. Because when they were celebrating uh, uh, Edge and Rey Mysterio, you could see the way they were standing. They were sort of adjusting themselves to the hard camera, getting yeah. themselves into position. Yeah, so you could kind of see it coming, and it's kind of like they weren't quite set right. And yeah. then, and then when it happened, um, he got some good oh. heel heat. But um, to be honest, I think you know. It was Edge, really, that stole that match for the live crowd, and mm-hmm. that was sort of an afterthought, but uh, it wasn't a massive uh, reaction, because, mm-hmm. like you said, I think it's been teased for you know many months, um, now. And, and the way they were standing, it was like they're just taking too long, uh, and you could sort of see it coming, but, uh, no, you know, I, I, it was good, but um, it, it was a little predictable. Yeah. Uh,
5: anything else you want to mm-hmm. mention about being there live at Clash of the Castle today?
4: Uh, just that it was a, an amazing night. Everybody, apart from the result of the main event, is really happy. Um, uh, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, really good to see WWE back. I have been to a couple of, um, sort of house shows that they've done over here over the last 12 months since COVID. But this was on a different level with the stadium setting and, uh, and the, the main event. So, mm-hmm. no, really good and hopefully they'll be back soon you know, next year. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you contacting me, Nick,
5: and, and volunteering to be our live correspondent there in the uh, UK. So uh, thank you so much for calling in and get home safe.
4: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Greg. And uh, everybody go VIP. The Alan 4L uh, VIP 30, l 30 series is amazing. Obviously, the round table. So anybody thinking about going VIP, definitely do it.
5: Thanks so much, Nick.
4: All right. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.
5: That is pwtorch.com slash govip to become a VIP member of uh, pwtorch.com. We offer so much stuff, so much audio, uh, so many uh, show uh, breakdowns and recaps and everything like that. So um, that's where you want to go to get uh, a lot of the stuff that's uh, for members only. VIP. pwtorch.com slash govip uh, got a lot of callers on hold if you want to email us wnialivecast at gmail.com we'll get to your emails throughout the show as well uh, next up on the queue is the 862 area code 862 go ahead and uh, state your name where are you calling from today
1: it's kylan greg how are you
5: it's wonderful to hear from you again kylan uh, how are you doing
1: I'm wonderful, Greg. Glad glad to hear your voice again.
5: (laughs) Yes, good to hear yours as well. Thank you so much. Uh, I know you used to be a a frequent caller of uh, wrestling, uh, not even Wrestling Night in America, just the the live cast, the uh, James Caldwell and Greg Parks Thursdays, I think.
1: Well, I'd like to let you know now that... Get used to me again, because you'll be hearing from me a lot now on non-pay-per-view or premium live event Saturday. So
5: awesome. This
1: this is the start of a resurgence
5: <laughs> on Wrestling Night in America. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. Uh, what did you think of Clash of the Castle today?
1: Strong, strong show, uh, except for the main event, but otherwise very strong. I would even go so far as to say the Sheamus-Guntha match was a potential match of the year
5: candidate. Yeah, I mean, if you like that style, and I know a lot of people do, um, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, it, it, it is a lot of what's your what's your taste and styles, right? And if you like the hard hitting style. Uh, this is as good as you're gonna see in WWE. You know, you can go to New Japan and you can see this style of matchup probably a couple times a year. You may even be able to see this in AEW, uh, depending on who's wrestling. But in WWE, I mean, you've got Gunther, you've got Sheamus, you've got some other guys on the main roster who can wrestle this style. But I don't think you're ever gonna see it turned up to this level where it's two guys who just love to hit and they're at uh, they're on a show, like Clash of the Castle where they're just going to leave everything on the table. And that's exactly what Sheamus and Gunther did tonight.
2: You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I'm watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at PWTorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PWTorch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports.
1: Yes, they did. So, I I do have a typical James Cardwell three-pack of questions (laughs) for My first question for you, Greg, is in regards to the undisputed Universal Championship. Mm -hmm. Since since Triple H decided not to go the the route of having Drew McIntyre win the undisputed, universal championship at this time does that mean that we are waiting for the eventually impending return of Cody Rhodes for Cody to take it at Wrestlemania or could we see something like the scenario I have in my head where the the Rock comes back on the, the first Raw in January or the second Raw in January after college football is over and says... You know, I'm 50 years old now, and I made a promise to myself a couple of years ago that I would have one last title reign before I no longer wish to wrestle. So I'm here by challenging my cousin Roman Reigns for the undisputed Universal Champion Rock wins, and then on April 3rd, Rock comes out on Raw and relinquishes the title, setting up a tournament at WrestleMania Backlash with the finals being Cody against Drew, and either Drew or Cody... Going over
5: from there yeah I think you know the the two names that I mentioned at the beginning of the show when we're looking ahead at where Roman reigns could potentially drop one or both of the titles and Cody Rhodes and Roman Re- uh, Cody Rhodes and the Rock are really the only two that I could see. I think Cody Rhodes winning Royal Rumble and facing reigns at WrestleMania makes sense on a lot of levels the rock you know if he's able to do it, WWE is not going to say no to him, so they would pencil him in. They would choose him versus Reigns over Rhodes versus Reigns at WrestleMania. But the question is, do you want the titles to be involved, right? So do you? Does the does the titles being involved in Reigns versus The Rock mess things up? Does it complicate things? Overly complicate things because the story is already there. The Rock is coming back to you know. Talk some sense into the head of the table. They're all part of the same lineage, the same family. That's the story. That's what Roman Reigns has been banging the drum about for the last two years. And uh, and, and The Rock is going to come back and put him in his place. Now, I think adding the titles in there sort of overly complicates things. And you're going to have people who say, look, The Rock is only going to come back for one match. If he wins the titles, he's not going to defend them. So what chance does he really have of winning? Or, you know, I, I think having him win and then having him forfeit the titles, I think, again, that's just overly complicated in my mind when the story should be simple. It's a family affair, Rock versus Roman, for who's the real head of the table in that family. So if you're going to go Rock versus Roman Reigns, You know, my instinct is to have Roman drop the titles before then at some point. And so, you know, all of this is complicated further by the fact that he's still double champion. So he could at some point lose one of those titles, say to a Cody Rhodes, and still have one of those titles to defend against The Rock at WrestleMania. So there are a lot of different branches to come out of this, but ultimately the side that I fall on today, and this could change you know, next week when we do the show, is that the story of The Rock and Reigns is about family. And I don't know that having the titles in there especially with the rock not coming back full time, you know he's people know he's only gonna be back for one match, so I think that kind of overly complicates things.
1: That makes sense my my next two questions are more about the overall big picture of w w e. With, with Triple H now being labeled as d- the chief content officer of WWE. Uh, my, my second question for you, Greg, is not, now that Triple H has given his first comprehensive interview since taking the helm of WWE creative back on July 22nd should WWE fans have placed the immense amount of faith in Triple H that that we have and the second and final part of that of my three pack of questions what what do you think the nxt and overall wwe brands will look like now that triple h formally? re-laid out his vision of having NXT India and NXT Japan and NXT China and all the other areas that he originally wanted to do three to three and a half years ago before the coronavirus pandemic happened.
5: Well, to answer the first part of the question, should fans have the faith, the level they do in Triple H as creative? I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, you know, his creative in NXT uh, was was pretty well received, and you know, he's he's smart enough to know that he can't. Replicate everything he did in NXT to the wider audience on the main roster. Yeah, he's bringing in some of his guys, quote unquote, you know, the Johnny Garganos, the Dexter Loomises, the the Karrion Crosses, uh, but, you know, he also understands that, and this is kind of dovetailing in with your se- uh, other point there, is he's not going to change WWE completely. WWE main roster, for better or worse, has its core viewers that tune in every week and watch every week. If you completely rebrand the show um, in the short term, you risk running off those diehards. And the question then becomes, is there enough interest from people who may have turned off WWE at one point or have heard good things about the creative to sample the product, are there enough people who who is willing to watch every week to replace those people? And I don't think that answer is yes. So I think it's more of steadying the ship at this point. Yes, he's going to make some changes. We've seen some of them already. But I don't think it's going to be a drastic difference. I think the NXT territories is interesting. They sort of dipped their toe in the water with NXT UK, which I don't, you know, I don't really think that was all that successful. And I know that they rushed it out to get ahead of the ITV uh, tapings that were done in the UK. But ultimately, um, I, I just don't think NXT UK was the blueprint you want to follow if you're going to open NXT territories all over the world. And so I get what WWE is trying to do. I, I get trying to establish a foothold in some of these countries, especially these countries that have just millions of viewers and, and the, the potential goldmine of rights fees in those countries and things like that, um, but if NXT UK is sort of the, the vision, I'm skeptical it's going to work on a large scale. You know, I, I just don't know what the business plan looks like, I don't know how much they've learned from the NXT UK rollout and how much they're willing to change from that. But it's it's going to be a big risk if they do it because there's really no way to do it small. I mean, you have to set up training facilities in those places. You have to hire a bunch of wrestlers in those places, uh, bring people in to train them in those places. So uh, there really isn't no a way to really scale it down. I mean, it's going to have to be a, a pretty well good-sized endeavor. So. I, I'll believe that when I see it. I have a. Let me just say this to, to kind of put a bow on this. I have a lot more trust in Triple H as head of creative than I do in the the trust that I have that these NXT uh, satellite promotions all over the world are going to work out. So that's kind of my take on it, Kylan. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. I, oh, and for for the record, Greg, I asked. I asked the the. I asked my second question because I think a, a lot of people expected Triple H to come in and say, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna book Drew to, to automatically win because people are so used to seeing this kind of in- and." embarrass people in in their home neighborhood, Mm -hmm. or we've been we've been beating we've been beating the heck out of Matt Riddle for the last month and a half it's about time he got one over on Seth, Mm -hmm. and since that didn't happen I, I think a lot of people may go, oh this this wasn't what I thought yeah. we were gonna get.
5: Yeah, I, I think I think that's a fair point, and I think there also was a lot of, uh, you know, and I wrote this in my roundtable in the in the Torch newsletter um, after SummerSlam. You do wonder how much praise Triple H is getting simply because he's not Vince McMahon, <laughs> and people for decades have been calling for a change in creative. And now that we've got it, there's just a natural excitement over Triple H um, taking over. So people are are going to give him a lot more rope when it comes to to, um, his decisions creatively. And so I think that's part of it. Eventually, that's going to wear off. That uh, honeymoon period that fans are going to have with Triple H's creatives going to wear off. He's going to put on some bad shows. It's just it's the nature of putting out you know two shows a week, 52 weeks a year, and, and a, a special event every month. Um, but right now, I th- still think that honeymoon phase is going. And you know there was a lot of good on this show tonight, even if Drew McIntyre didn't win, even if Sheamus didn't win. That the people who um, were in there. Backyard didn't win. Um, So there is still something for um, fans of his booking to hang their hat on after tonight.
2: Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post shows, podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily casts, plus some random VIP bonus content.
1: I well, Greg, it, it was a pleasure. Like I said, this wasn't the last you'll hear of me, <laughs> and hopefully, I will see you next.
5: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kylan. Appreciate hearing from you again. Uh, Blast from the past. Kylan used to be a weekly caller back when I was uh, co-hosting the livecast on Thursday afternoons. I believe it was 5.30 start time back then with uh, former PW Torch assistant editor James Caldwell. We had a lot of fun on that show as well. Uh, So I want to go to one of our emails. And again, you can email us, WNIA Livecast at gmail.com. This is from Dr. Ross. He says, Hi Greg, when do you think the WWE will hold another PLE in the UK? Hopefully it will be sooner than 2052. Yes, I, I think you know this is one of those things that people have been wondering for a while. Like why doesn't WWE go back to the UK? Why don't they do a pay-per-view from there? And I think you know the, the excuse that I heard a lot was, well, WWE likes their pay-per-views Sunday nights at 8 p.m. They like to do it consistently so fans know about it. And so, you know, then they started... Nick Khan comes in. They start moving the pay-per-views to Saturdays. They start experimenting with more stadium shows, you know, other than just WrestleMania. All of a sudden, you know, okay, now you know, we've done them on Saturdays. What if we do them on Saturday afternoon in in, in America? And it's, so it's nighttime in the UK. What if we do a stadium show over there, a special event? So the the addition of Nick Khan, I think, sort of opened those doors. And, yeah, I, I think... This is going to be something that WWE should look into doing yearly, um, if not more than once a year. Uh, having a major show in the UK, there there are plenty of places, plenty of stadiums to go with as popular as soccer and rugby is in the UK. They have plenty of stadiums that you can go to and not you know, rerun the same stadium every year and run the risk of burnout. So um, I think... It, it, tonight's crowd certainly was a feather in the cap of the UK and something that WWE can look at as a reason to say, hey, we should do this again. So, no, I don't think we'll have to wait until 2052 for another one. Uh, back to the phones we go. The 623 area code. I believe this is Brian from Phoenix, Arizona.
7: Hey
8: Greg, this is Brian. Uh, hopefully you have you are having a great day today.
5: I am. Uh, great to hear from so many callers, new and old, and uh, you know, great to have so much feedback on this show. Uh, we're loving it right now.
8: So Greg, did you just call a 55-year-old Brian old? I'm just wondering about that.
5: Oh, uh, <laughs> new and old callers, as in callers from way back. I would never, I would never okay. oh. call uh, call one of my callers old, especially since I didn't know how old you are. Your voice makes you sound at least in your thirties, Brian.
8: Um, I drink a lot of water, so I think that helped <laughs> out uh, with my youthful appearance. Got to, gotta youthful stay hydrated. To gotta stay way. hydrated. <laughs> well, you know, 31 years. If you think I'm 31, if so, if I'm a 31 year uh, towards vip subscriber yes that must have been i was like what an infant when well, my dad bought it for say, me and that's how I've been i, I it said in 31 your, years.
5: i said in your 30s so that that could be 39 i could see you getting a towards subscription at eight yeah, yeah sure <laughs>
8: yeah hmm <laughs> greg uh first of all it's always great talking to you thanks a lot for having me on i'll keep it quick because i know you said a lot of callers you have some emails i overall enjoyed um enjoy Clash at the Castle, listening some, to some of the phone callers, you know, and, and you actually just said it yourself a minute ago about, uh, to me, um, you know, uh, the um, actually it was Kylan, hey Kylan, always good to hear from Kylan, is that, um, you know, having... Um, or actually, it was an email or two. I should say that as well. talking about having uh, premium live events like a non-standard eight o'clock Eastern time on a Sunday. I think it had more, not necessarily to Nick Con, but more so with the with the network and now having Peacock, where you can put it on in the middle of a Saturday, you know, middle of Saturday, far in the East Coast time. So I think that was more of a big thing. Well, I can't say more. I'm pretty sure that was another part of reason why. WWE could stretch themselves and do, like you said, do Saturdays, you know. But as you know, because you've been a long time person a long time fan, you know, we used to have uh, Tuesday Tuesday P- pay per views every once in a while. So yeah. it's not like it's this is like a big swing or anything.
5: Taboo Tuesday. We had this Tuesday in Texas. There was quite a gap between those two uh, pay per view concepts. But yeah, they they experimented. <laughs>
8: Yeah, uh, there was – I, I, I want to say it was Cyber Tuesday. That probably wasn't Cyber T- the name Cyber Tuesday, but it definitely wasn't was ta- It was Taboo Tuesday,
5: and then when the Tuesday uh, idea didn't work out, they moved it to the regular um, Sunday night slot and kept the concept, so then it was Cyber Sunday.
8: Correct. We yeah. did – I think Phoenix had maybe one of the first Taboo Tuesdays because oh, okay. I remember going to it. Um, okay, so let's talk about tonight. And, um, you know, of course, there's several ways I can go, but the one thing I will – well, I'm going to do two things. First thing as far as building up wrestlers, and I'm trying to be better at this, Greg, as being a better wrestling fan or, uh, and listening to things. You know, I, I, com- I complain here by myself about, okay, this person said this and this person said that, and they're kind of contradicting themselves. You know, Sean, your first caller, he was upset that Drew lost – And you know, and Drew couldn't, Drew, Drew will never be able to come back from this. But then, you know, a few minutes later, he talked about Seth could absorb a loss, and Riddle didn't have to lose because Seth can build himself back up. So, you know, not just, or I am pointing Sean out, but to say that, I've always been, been thinking, and my thought pattern would be that if you give me four months and you give me a wrestler, I can build them up to something. And you know, you if you put them on TV once a week, you know, uh, SmackDown or Raw, or even NXT. And you put them on an incredible winning streak, and you have the, the, um, the announce team talk about how, how, how killer they become. Or, hey, the, this one point, Shayna Baszler lost these many matches, and she lost to Liv Morgan. Now she's building herself back. She rededicated herself. She's tapping people out. These matches are going, going in 60 seconds or less, and we, I could have her credibly – you know, main event WrestleMania against somebody if you give if you give us a good story. So yeah, I mean I would say it did it really hurt Drew to lose in front of his, his hometown. Yes. Could I could you give me Drew McIntyre and give me the give me a, the book and allow me to hey you're gonna you're gonna be beating these wrestlers and these wrestlers are not going to be like balking about it. I can have a main event WrestleMania again against Roman and it'd be a, a talked about match.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think overall the discourse around, oh, this wrestler can't lose because they can never recover. I mean we've seen time and time again where WWE's booking has and, – and I won't use the word buried because I think that word gets thrown around too often for losses. But WWE has put someone behind the eight ball when it comes to how they're viewed by the audience, because of the, there's too many losses. And we've seen them be able to reheat those wrestlers rather quickly. And so I, I think, overall, the concern about wrestlers not being able to take a loss or not being able to recover from a loss tends to be a little overblown. And, and Riddle, I'll use the example of Riddle, um, which Sean used, like it's not as if Riddle is a main event star who is kind of on tenuous footing and a loss could could cause fans to no longer view him as a main eventer. I think for the most part, most people in WWE on the main roster are very much at the same level. And so there's not a lot of space for them to drop down. Even in the eyes of viewers, and maybe if we're saying, you know, if Riddle had, a, a, you know, if Riddle was scheduled maybe in October or November to face Roman Reigns for the title and he loses here, then you could say, mm, yeah, maybe not a decision I would make because you would want to build somewhat up to that moment. But really, I mean, what does he have next? We, we don't really know. So we, we don't know what he's losing this from. We don't know what this loss is going to cost him. Um, If he stays at the same level in this semi-main event level, you know, that Seth Rollins level, the Randy Orton level, just under the main events, you know, does he really lose a lot by losing here? I, I, I doubt it. Um, fans, I think fans are a lot more forgiving of wins and losses than we as analysts and, and people who talk about this, either as fans like you, Brian, or, or myself as people who write about and, and podcast about this. I think fans care less about that maybe than we do, especially because WWE over time has – chipped away so much at the value of wins and losses to the point where, you know, losses just really don't mean as much anymore than maybe they once did or that some people wish they did.
8: I agree. I agree with you, Greg. Um, i yeah I I would say, yeah, I agree with you. Thank you very much for that. Um, the last thing I'll mention and let some other calls go on, I really did like the – um. I really like how they brought back Walter, uh, Marcel Bartel and um, mm-hmm. Fabian Eichner as Imperium. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Gutner, Louis Borga, <laughs> and Giovanni Vici. I apologize about yes. that. But it was a, a, a great hard-hitting match. It was a nice surprise, and I'm glad they got rid of Butch and Ridge, uh, and Ridge right away yes. and then just have it being two tough guys against each other. And uh, other than that, Greg, that's it. I'll let some other callers come on. I really, always appreciate talking to you. And last question I do have for you tomorrow. Are you, is it going to be uh, two different, two different um, PW Torch um, uh, phoning shows, or just going to be one? Or are you, are you not sure about that?
5: Yeah, we're doing one after All Out. Um, I, just frankly, because okay. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if I'll be allowed to watch NXT as it airs, given that I've spent most of the afternoon today uh, watching uh, watching uh, WWE, and then I'll spend all night watching. All Out, I think the expectation is that I will get up out of the house and do something. So I can't guarantee I'll watch NXT by the time the show goes on the air tomorrow um, after All Out, but I will do my best. Uh, certainly if you know anyone wants to talk about Worlds Collide in addition to All Out, they're more than welcome to. But we'll have one show tomorrow, which is September 4th, and we'll uh, do it after the All Out show.
8: I don't recognize All Out or anything AEW, so uh, I was thinking just more cl- uh, more um, Worlds Collide. So, yeah. again, Greg, thanks a lot. It's always good talking to you, and I hope you ha- you and uh, callers have a real good night. And then go of course go VIP. I mentioned I'm a 31 year Torch VIP subscriber, and always been happy with the uh, amount of. I always see the amount of audio content, which is incredible, but also the newsletter. You know, yeah. just You have an article. Uh, you do articles in there, and the newsletter is just great as well. So thanks a lot, Greg, as always. Have a really good rest of your day.
5: Absolutely, Brian. Thanks so much.
9: Searching for
0: more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher,
6: Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com.
9: Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
5: So, Brian, a 31-year member of the Torch. Now, I'm trying to put my hat on to remember my first Torch issue that I got in the mail was after the Survivor Series, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Screwjob. So that would have been November '97. So I'm coming up 97 to 07, 07 to 17. I'm coming up on oh, 25 years as a Torch subscriber. So a couple of years behind Brian. But yeah, I've been subscribing for quite a long time. And, and Brian's right. I mean, I, I love the newsletter. I don't read the Torch newsletter on, uh, which by the way, you get with your subscription. Uh, in addition to all the VIP audio and everything like that, you get the Torch newsletter in the mail. Uh, I don't read the PDF when it comes out online. I wait for the hard copy. I always read that. Um, when it comes, so uh, I enjoy that. So, um, yeah, let's go uh, back to the phones here. Got more calls. And this is the 478 area code. I believe this is, is this Durrell from Georgia? Hello? 478, you're on? Yes,
9: it is. It is, Durrell. Uh, Dur- Durrell's, yeah, making, me.
5: Durrell's uh, making me wait a little bit. I like it. Durrell, good to hear from you again.
9: Ah, uh, good to hear from you, too, man. It's been a long time.
5: Yeah, it has. Uh, good to hear from you. Um, You watched Clash of the Castle. What did you think?
9: It was a good show. Very good show. Uh, I really did like it. Um, To start my first little part with you, with them just now starting to acknowledge the Roman Reigns, um, Reigns, and starting to tell a story to show that he's how legendary this is to maybe be able to start down the future. Do you think they have to start um, getting WWE fans used to this type of storytelling that they use, um, using now with Triple H, with him introducing this and telling a bigger story? I know how some fans were like, "Drew we should have won today, but they just start telling that story. And so it can mean more for when they tell it for a little bit, a little period of time to make that next star who finally beat him. Do you think they have to start introducing and making fans get used to these different types of storytelling that they've been using?
5: I don't know if it's that big of a departure um, from what Vince McMahon did. I mean, you got to remember most of the Roman Reigns reign came under Vince McMahon's booking direction. And, uh, maybe some of it was necessity, maybe they didn't have uh, a star the level of reigns that they really wanted to put the title on. But they did talk about his reign and the length of it during that time. Obviously, you know, as time goes on, as the reign gets longer, it's something you want to mention more. Just because it becomes more and more historic the longer he's champion. So it makes sense that at this point, you're now over two years as champion, um, that it's being mentioned more. Uh, Because that is a very big milestone. So, you know, is this the kind of storytelling where where they're going to go forward? Um, I don't know if the long-term storytelling of the Reigns deal, I think this is the exception more than the rule, just because it's hard to do this up and down the card. I mean, Reigns is a special case in terms of, you know, having his family members on the show with him and the Usos. Having Paul Heyman direct him, you know they've kind of fallen into some of these stories, like with Sami Zayn and some of the other detours they've taken with the Roman Reigns story. So I think this is kind of the exception, not the rule. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you can get more stories like this and and tell more stories like that, all the better, I'd say. Hey,
9: yes, and and why I say that, and I'm going to go to the next question um, after this, which um, goes with this as well. Um, because some of the stories that they've been telling recently have been just not all in-ring action that go with the story. It's what happened in the ring, it's the different things that go on in the ring, it's the different things that the announce, um what they're starting to have the announcers say, which will go into my second question: with the live, how they build up, which they, I felt like they should have started doing before, but I know. When they first um, did it at SummerSlam and everything, you know, it was a transitional period. But I tell her how she's just been hanging on as a champion, barely uh, badly hanging on, and um, telling us how she has to improve each match so she can wipe that off and not be considered, considered that typical every time she's an underdog champion, which they were trying to show with how they rapture that match which it wasn't the typical type of what you would think how Shayna Baszler would met uh roster. What did you think about the story they were trying to tell with that as well?
5: Yeah, I, I think a lot of the story was just, you know, Morgan trying to stay away from the submissions. You know, Shayna Baszler, they've reestablished her as this dominant submission machine, which I think she always should have been portrayed as on the main roster and which she was portrayed as in NXT. And that's the best version of Shayna Baszler you're going to get. Um, so you know, Liv obviously does not have that same skill set. So the story to me was it was pretty simple. It was Liv's trying to avoid Shayna while getting some offense of her own in there when she can. Um, she has been portrayed as the underdog in just about every match. That's kind of her character. So she went into this match even though she's champion as an underdog as well in some regards. And so yeah, I, I think this was one of those matches on the show that the story kind of. Wrote itself. I mean, these are two characters where it's very clear who the characters are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and you just tell the story off that. Don't try to make it more complicated than it is.
9: Okay. And with um, something that I have missed going on, with the promos tonight, and I thought the video promos, which I thought did a lot of justice. The characters down the line and they continue to do it like they continue to do the Becky um, promo as well as introducing the Cody promo which is uh introducing his um, the WWE Network special about his road to recovery which I guess they're going to start premiering in the next week or so. Building uh, um, up guys this way the Uso one which I felt did justice to the Uso and the tag team division as a whole because I, I always felt on the bench and never gave the tag team the vision and the shine. How did you like these promos and how they mean a little bit more, especially when you put light on people, like how they did with Becky, um, Cody, and the story that they told with Cody, because you said that he's been built. That's that number one baby face um, potential. And um, also the story with the Usos and what they did with those guys as well. What do, how did you like it, and what do you guys think about it?
5: I'm not sure I saw those. We got a lot of commercials in between the matches, so I'm not sure if those were a special tier of subscriber to, to Peacock that got those um, because I got mostly commercials on my end. And I know we talked about this the, the last pay-per-view. Somebody had some questions about that as well, and I think there is, depending on what tier of Peacock you have, uh, that's what you get uh, as buffers in between the matches, and I think I got mostly commercials. I think I missed most of those um, most of those video packages, but you know, speaking generally, I think it's smart to do that. And you know, like you said, Cody obviously being built up as a big star capitalizing on the reaction that he'd gotten when he came to WWE uh, because it it could have easily gone the other way where people resented this guy who left WWE and started a, a, you know, a competitive company to WWE and he could have come back to WWE and fans could have resented that and, and they didn't. And so I think you want to remind fans of Cody, keep him in their forefront of their minds so that when he does come back, it's not you're not starting from scratch again. You still have those same feelings you had then. And Becky Lynch, you know, I think she's pretty close to returning as well. So, you know, keeping these these talented wrestlers, these major contributors to the brand, uh, in the forefront of the minds of fans is smart.
9: Yes, and I tell you, you should go out and think the one about the Uso because I felt like. That did a um the tag team division um very well, and with you having the reunited now, of, of period, and the influx of guys who you can see as tag teams, maybe down the line that um the eventually getting together DIY that tag team division on both shows will look so impactful, mm-hmm. and maybe and when you look at that video, I will see. You could tell that they could probably do something like a whole thing where they build up to where the tag team could main event the show where they're building up tag team challenges for the Usos, who have had the tag titles for over 400 days, Mm -hmm. almost 500 days, and, you know, building the different stuff. Even from Friday, I like seeing that, um, even though some of it being goofy, but, letting the Viking Raiders win that rivalry. They want every match against the new day so far, especially under the Triple H era. They want each one. And showing that, you know, giving somebody a chance to dominate a team that seemed as one of the best tag teams in this generation, and just doing that with that video, I'm proud to see what they want to do with that division as a whole.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the... You know, Triple H, I think, probably has a different vision of tag team wrestling than Vince McMahon did. Uh, We saw that executed in NXT with some awesome tag series uh, under Triple H's watch. So I think, you know, it's not all that surprising that one of the first things that he does is start rebuilding the tag division uh, just in sheer numbers. You know, there's very few real tag teams in WWE, so you have to start by just bringing up those numbers and bringing in more teams. And that's one of the things he's done so far
2: give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a pw torch newsletter paper copy subscription details at pwtorchcom slash paper copy it's 12 pages every week packed with my tv reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the torch staff exclusive feature-length columns from greg parks rich fan sean Radikin. Alan Kunahan and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash
9: And my last thing would be, so are we getting KO versus Roman at Extreme Rules where well, you know KO will probably get a big kind of pop in front of that Philly fan base and the continuation of building of um, the Sammy character within the bloodline and now adding Solo Secure um, to that um, whole faction as a whole. It seems like they continue to make it that, that bloodline um, kind of fresh, and continue to making them fresh which you can go back to our uh, previous contenders. How did you buy that and are you thinking that's what we get next? And that's it for me.
5: Alright, Darrell, thank you for the phone call, as always. Uh, good to hear from you. Another uh long time uh PW Torch Daily Cast caller. Um Kevin Owens is interesting because they've obviously made a conscious decision to begin building him up as more of a serious threat. And then you have to ask yourself, with only one title there, I mean, he's not going to go after um, you know, the he can't go after the, the second uh, singles title, because Roman has them both. So, are they prepping Kevin Owens for a potential title shot at Roman Reigns? We don't really know when Roman Reigns' next title defense is. We know that he's not going to be at every pay-per-view going forward. So, is he at Extreme Rules? Is he at Um, uh, what what other shows is he going to be on? What other shows is he going to miss? So I think that question has to be answered, too. But it does seem like Kevin Owens, especially with Sami Zayn, now as part of the bloodline, we've seen Owens and Zayn interact in recent weeks, so they've kept up that relationship that they've um, had not only before WWE, but that's played a big part in both of their WWE careers. So... I think it's fair to say, you know, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, it's been a while, we have seen that match before, but it has been a while, and you do have the different dynamic now with Sami Zayn being at least somewhat a part of the bloodline, uh, which could make things a little interesting, and and so, yeah, I think it's fair to question whether or not that's going to be coming up, and, and I think... You know, Roman Reigns is going to have matches between now and WrestleMania. And so we've sort of pegged Cody for maybe at the earliest, early 2023, potentially The Rock at uh, WrestleMania. And if not The Rock, then Cody Rhodes. But Roman Reigns has to face someone else in 2022. um, And that someone else could very well be Kevin Owens. Uh, I I don't see why not. I I think there's a lot of... um, contenders who are all kind of in the same boat. There's nobody who stands head and shoulders above anybody else the same way that Drew McIntyre had for a while as a as a legitimate contender. It made all the sense in the world for McIntyre to be built up to face reigns in the UK, um, but Owens seems at this point as good a choice as any to face Reigns within the next few months. All right, uh, last call is up. It is DJ from Miami, the 305 Area Code. DJ, welcome to Wrestling Night in America on a Saturday afternoon. Early evening, I guess, now we're getting into. So uh, good to talk to you. Uh, what did you think of Clash at the Castle? Whoop. We just lost DJ. <laughs> well, maybe he didn't want to talk. Uh, that's unlikely. But we'll we'll let him um, try to jump back on here and, and kind of uh, vamp for a second before he does. Um, and again, uh, as you're watching all out tomorrow night, hit us with an email wnia livecast at gmail I know it's it's a late night um, for that, and uh, you know you're welcome to email us your thoughts if you can't hang up late enough for us to uh, to chat on the phone. So um, would be happy to do that with you. Uh, we have the 111 area code, so a Skype or international call. Don't know if this is DJ again or someone else who's giving it a shot. Hello? Oh, now they've jumped off. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm pressing I'm pressing the right buttons. I promise you, it's not me. I promise you, I'm not hanging up on them. Um, but. <laughs> Well, we'll try one more time, but again, uh, livecast at gmail.com. I know a lot of people can't call in live, uh, but if you're watching all out and you want to send your thoughts, uh, email. We'll we'll get them on the show. We'll talk about them. We'll answer your questions. But again, if you want to call, 515-605-9345 tomorrow night after All Out goes off the air. Don't worry about keeping me up late. I got Monday off. It's, it's Labor Day, so uh, no problems there. Be happy to chat with everybody uh, during that time. So. And of course, just a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at Greg M Parks. We are here each and every Sunday night on PW Torch DailyCast.com with Wrestling Night in America. I'm usually joined by a co-host from the PW Torch family, contributors, columnists, uh, assistant editors, uh, Bon Vivants, you know, from the from the PW Torch family. So, uh, always a good time taking phone calls and taking emails uh, during that period. And um, yeah, uh, looking forward to it once again. So, uh, nobody else has jumped on. I feel like I've given it the requisite. Uh, time I've plugged everything I can plug pwtorch.com slash Um that's all I've got in me so uh, thank you for everybody uh, for calling in for making this show what it is always love to hear from callers um, I, I shouldn't say new and old anymore I don't want to offend Brian again so let's call it new and long time callers and there's DJ so we're going to try DJ one more time hey DJ you with us sorry my battery's right <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, so, hey, what did you, you think of uh, Clash of the Castle?
7: It was okay. It wasn't that, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, it was a C-plus, so it wasn't okay. too crazy. I thought for sure they were going to, like, I don't know, knight Titus Neil or something in the ring or something. I don't know. <laughs> something crazy. <laughs> he be. So it was all right. Um, can we start off with going into tomorrow?
5: Okay, I you you don't want to talk anything else about Clash of the Castle?
7: <laughs> I do, but I want to go into this real quick, and then go into... Because it's going okay. into... You know what I mean? Going into, into this.
5: Any order you want, going DJ. Going into today. Dealer's choice, go
7: okay. ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh got a letter from TBS or whatever saying that they want to go down the cursing, and I don't know what else was on that letter. I don't know if it was blood or what. So going into today well actually last week when riddle was so hyped up and he's like f this and f that i liked that that was like the real riddle It was like he wasn't like acting like some fake blah 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 he was acting like a real fighter like and it was so like refreshing seeing that like i thought it was fake too i thought it was real too when he's like hey hey riddle like are you still there you know what i mean like i was like this is this is good so Going into that, like, I feel like they might start pushing Riddle. I, I don't know how much, but, like, do you see at the end of the day, do you think that now that they're showing Riddle more of a, like a kiddish kiddish kind of guy going into this, do you think, like, going to Roman Reigns, like, do you think this is going to be a little better than one pony Roman Reigns? What do you really see this? Because I like what Riddle was pulling off.
5: Yeah, they have seemed to have made a concerted effort to make Riddle more of a well-rounded character, more of a serious character, and I don't know if that's just to get through the Seth Rollins feud, and then he kind of goes back to goofy Riddle in another feud, or if this is something that portends a change in his character going forward, but I think a lot of people liked what they saw out of Riddle. They, they He showed that he can play a more serious side and that has to be intriguing for wwe and for triple h creatively because i think it opens a lot more doors for what riddle can do um you know certainly the loss here at clash at the castle contradicts some ideas that people would have about riddle getting a bigger push off of that more serious character uh but i think the question will be answered in the next few weeks when we see you know how does how does wwe capitalize on this where do they go with um, the Riddle character now? Does he go back to being the fun-loving character, especially when it's time for Randy Orton come, to come back? Because they played so well off of each other, with Randy Orton serious and Riddle more jokey. Um, you know, are they going to do serious Randy Orton and serious Riddle? Does anyone want to see that? Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna over the next few weeks we'll really see uh, where they want to go with Riddle and. Um, and what his countenance is, is he, is he happy-go-lucky, or is he more serious? Does this kind of open doors for him to do things on the more serious side? Uh, we've already seen him challenge Roman Reigns, so it doesn't seem like uh, that would be a spot for him. But, you know, Raw could always use more baby faces. and so... We'll see if, if that is where they're going with Riddle. Uh, DJ, I'll go back to you for your second question for us. Hello, DJ. Uh, he dropped off again. Well, uh, that's it for DJ. We'll have to wait till tomorrow. Uh, thank you, everybody. Um, all the callers, all the emailers, and everybody like that. So um, we'll talk to you again tomorrow night uh, after AEW All Out. Uh, look forward to hearing from everybody again. Hopefully we get as many callers as we get here tonight. So uh, we'll talk to you then. Uh, I am Greg Parks, PW Torch columnist, um, and we'll talk to you tomorrow because if it's Sunday, it's wrestling night in America.
2: Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app, and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week, so subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. A lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post-shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post-shows with live callers and my co host and our on-site correspondents... I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wake Keller hotline running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post-show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post-show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post-show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with a VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post-shows throughout the week. Go VIP! pwtorch.com slash go vip pwtorch.com slash go vip rates start at nine dollars and 99 cents a month or get a full year for just 99 dollars you can also get the weight color hotline through our patreon tier that's just six dollars and 99 cents a month details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorch vip